But here we are. I'm glad to be back, glad to be in the bay. Why don't you open your bar with me in Proverbs 29? Uh, Lord's put something on my heart to just continue. I've been doing a series, remember, on the issue of dreams, desires, dreams, and destiny. And uh, there's a lot to do on it too. But I want to, sh- I want to share with you, uh, last time I shared about the whole issue of the cross and the kingdom, I want to share with you today uh, a message on, called dream killers and what to do about them. Dream killers and what to do about them. And uh, in Proverbs 29, uh, Proverbs chapter 29, let's just start off and lay just a little foundation for it because I'll do this over a couple of sessions. Uh, Proverbs 29 and verse 18, where there's no revelation, where there's no prophetic insight or direction, the people perish. Or literally, people miss opportunities that come into their life because they haven't got prophetic insight or revelation from God or a sense of God-given purpose and direction. Every person has some kind of thing in their heart. Now, you may not know what the dream is God put in your heart. It may be locked up because of uh, various restrictions in your heart, fears, insecurities, doubts, uh, wrong beliefs, all kinds of things can lock up the dreams. But I can tell you now that God has put something in your heart for you to accomplish that has eternal benefit. It's very clear. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, Where is workmanship created in Christ for good works God prepared before we were even born to walk in them. So every person here, there's God's put something in your heart that you need to accomplish with your life. No one wants to end up their life and we've done nothing with it or we filled our life with trivia. So the dream, the dream you have or vision is your future. If you have no dream, you're drifting like a boat in a storm with no kind of rudder. So all of us need to have a dream or have some kind of focus and direction and be able to articulate it and be moving our life consciously towards it. Now, you can have all kinds of dreams, of course, and uh, you can dream of a great cruise on a ship. I dream about that a bit. I like those kind of things. And so a dream on a ship, you could have a cruise. Uh, Or you might be dreaming about a new job, and that would be nice get a promotion and do something better, a bigger wage, or you might be dreaming of setting up a business. So everyone's got some kinds of things, and and if you will keep your dream in focus and work, eventually your dream will come about, because where you what you hold in your heart, you'll move your life towards. So there's all kinds of dreams. There's dreams of a new house. Some people dream about a new house. Some dream of living in Havelock. I mean, all kinds of dreams people have, but but most of those dreams are about your personal fulfilment. The world's motivation style is all about personal fulfillment. But we have something greater than that. We're called to the kingdom of God. And so there are dreams which I would say they're in your heart, they're wide into you, and they can be great, they can be little, they can be small, they can be insignificant. And many of them are just about your personal fulfillment. They're about, well, I enjoy this. I might have a dream of getting a boat and going fishing. I think having a boat and going fishing is a wonderful dream. I think it's absolutely wonderful dream, but it's mainly about personal fulfillment. God wants to lift everything we do so we have something that's got a bigger bigness about it. See, God doesn't want you to be small. He's a big God with a big kingdom. He doesn't want us small. So therefore, God puts into our hearts what I call God-given dreams. God-given dreams are not about your personal fulfillment. They're about destiny fulfillment. It's a different thing. Most of the people I meet primarily are concerned about their personal fulfillment. 
What they don't understand is when you link with God and begin to discover the dream God has for you, it'll shift you to destiny. Your whole life will be fulfilled in a different way, and the eternal benefits will be immense. So here's the thing. When God gives you a dream, I can tell you two things that will always be a part of it. Yeah? Here's one of them. One of them, it'll always be about the kingdom of God and the cause of Christ being advanced. Always. If your dream hasn't got that anywhere in it, well, it's primarily your personal fulfillment. That's okay. Good for you. Do it. But there's something greater than all of us can live for, and that's the dream that our life could count eternally and significantly by advancing the cause of Christ in the earth. Now, there's multiple ways it can be done through business. It can be done through the media. It can be done through teaching. It can be done through education, government. There's many ways to advance the cause of Christ, many callings, many different ways. But at the core of it, every one of it is this. Number one is it's about advancing Christ's kingdom and his cause and seeing people changed. The second thing is it can never be fulfilled without the Lord helping you. Now, all the other dreams, many of them you can just do in your own ability. If you have enough emotion, motivation, drive, a great goal setter, you can learn the techniques of fulfilling it. But the God-given dreams, they cannot be fulfilled without God standing by you and helping you. And they'll always have an overflow that advances his kingdom. So when people talk to you about dreams and visions, just run this thing by it. Is it about personal fulfillment or is it about the kingdom of God and the cause of Christ? If it's about personal fulfillment, the primary one that's going to be fulfilled and honored and glorified in it is you. If it's, about, if it's a God-given vision, the primary one that will be honored and glorified will be Christ. That's the difference. And so it helps if we are very clear between what I'd call dr dreams and desires and things which are about personal fulfillment and dreams and desires which originate in God and have to do with our eternal destiny, reward in eternity, and making an impact with our life. They are different, and uh, they come in different ways. So what I want to do is dreams can be lost. So maybe you have a dream or you don't have a dream, but I want to talk over the next couple of weeks about what causes dream, what kills dreams. And there's a number of dream killers. I'm going to pick up one today, which over the course of my ministry life, I have observed without exception kills dreams, without exception. And I can guarantee that if God put a dream in your heart and God's put some great thing in you to accomplish with your life, I guarantee if you, don't, if you miss this one, it will cancel you out. It'll actually kill and destroy the dream. So dreams can be lost, dreams can be stolen, dreams can go in all kinds of ways, and we'll share some of those ways. But uh, dream killers are like a terrorist. You don't see them coming. You don't see them coming. You don't line up and there's the dream killer in front of you. You actually, it sneaks up on you and blows you up and everyone around you if possible. You have a think about some of the men, uh, great men in the world uh, who had great influence and yet had a moral failure that literally shot down and destroyed their legacy. Think about that. And think about the men in the Bible, great men who had a major character failure and it destroyed what they could have been and could have done. So the, the number one I want to look at, the number one dream killer I want to pick up today is an undeveloped character. An undeveloped character. 
Most people don't realize that your character is incredibly important. Notice that verse, Ephesians 2.10. We looked at the last part of it. You know, God has created, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared before you would walk in them. In other words, we're focused on doing something or fulfilling a purpose in God. But look at the first part. He says, you're his workmanship. In other words, God is wanting to build your life. God is wanting to develop you. God needs to build you so you can be big enough to do the big thing he wants to do. Here's the thing to understand, is your gift is bigger than your character. Your gift will open doors for you, but only your character will keep you there. And so you can have great giftings and talents. My observation over years is the most talented, gifted people I saw at high school were not the most successful people in life. My observation is, over years in the church and years in working with Christians, is the most talented, most gifted people often are not successful. And there has to be a reason for it. We look at talent, we look at gifting, it's impressive, it dazzles. You think, well, we need that person. What can we, you know, they've got such a gift on their life. But listen, what is their character? Because only the character can keep the person in the place and produce the fruit God intended. So if we're not committed to develop our character and understand God's process of developing character, no matter what your gift and dream is, at some point you'll derail because your character did not, it disqualified you from the dream, the thing you were trying to pursue. Very, very important, this kind of thing. See, so your character, here I'll give you a definition, your character is who you are when no one but God is looking. See, over the years, I found many people try and impress me, try and impress me with their gifts, their ability, they try and do all kinds of things. They try and put on a good show. But what really counts over the long term is what is this person really like in the inward life? What, what kind of person is there? What sort of worldview do they have? What values do they really have? What kind of uh, 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 attitudes do they have? What sort of choices do they make when they're under pressure? How do they treat people? That's a big one. How do they treat people? Are people someone that I can use to get where I want to get? Or are people someone precious to invest in because God values them? And so motivation in the world, and particularly with this younger generation, is use everyone and everything to get where you want to get and fulfill yourself. Believe me, that's the path of destruction. The path that God wants us to walk on is quite different to that, involves the shifting and changing of who we are on the inside. So the world is concerned with what you look like, God is concerned with what you are like. The world's concerned with image and appearance. So it's all about dressing right, being with the right people, connecting to the right people. I've even seen it in the church world. I've seen pastors, I look at it and I shake my head and I've seen them deliberately try to get near someone so they can influence them, so someone important, someone annoyed, so oh, this thing's everywhere. It's something in the heart of people. And, but God is, wants to teach us how to grow and how to, how to develop. So your character is who you really are, how authentic you are. It's who you are when no one's looking. So let's have a look then at how God develops your character. And uh, then we're going to look at one example, and I want to show you this guy, and man, this is a great guy, because this is really is classic. But most of the time we look at guys in the Bible, we say, that couldn't be me. But actually, it's there to teach us. So here it is in James chapter 1. How does God develop your character? Well, actually, God provides help. You actually develop your character. God provides you the help, 
you're the one who develops the character. Here it is in James 1, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces patience or courageous endurance. But patience, let patience develop in your life or do its complete work, now notice this, so you may be mature and lacking in nothing. In other words, what God's saying is that there is a process to get you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Lovely to have the vision and the dream. Don't let it go. Develop it, plan and work towards it. But there is a journey to get from where you are to get to where you want to be. And in that journey, unfortunately, there is a thing called trials, pressures, difficulties, setbacks, pains, griefs, disappointments. Believe me, if you're alive today, that's part of your life. There wouldn't be anyone in the room who hasn't griefs, disappointments, setbacks, frustrations. Things not happening like you planned, like you wanted. People doing all kinds of weird things. People letting you down. People doing all kinds of crazy stuff. There's all, all of us face this. This is life. So if you're going through precious trials and difficulties, then welcome to life. Everyone has that life, including Christians. In fact, Christians often have some additional pressures, trials, difficulties, and hassles. Just because they're following Christ. Never wanted it, it just happened. You know, talk to Paul. So it tells us here two things to do in the face of pressures and difficulties. So the first one we realize is that pressures, trials, and difficulties are used by God to develop courageous endurance inside you to develop character that can stand and last the distance. That's the point of them. They produce something in your life. Notice it says, notice the trying of your faith works. It actually produces something in your life. So the trying of your faith is where uh, you are tested to see the quality of your trust and walk with God. How authentic are you? How deep are you? How committed to God are you? Do you walk out your faith? Is it something you do on Sunday, come and sing a few songs, look nice, feel good, go home? Or is this something that day by day you are walking out trusting God? And so it tells us in the midst of it, it tells us this, rejoice or count it all joy. I don't know about you, but most people I notice don't count it all joy when they have troubles. Not at all. But the Bible says to count it all joy. Why is this? Because we have knowledge that God can use it to develop our inner man to get us to where he wants us to be. If you didn't know that, you'd be frustrated and trying to avoid it all. If you know that, you can rejoice. Here's the second thing is, the second thing is, if you don't know what to do when you're in the pressure, ask God. He is willing to help you in every situation. He'd give you the wisdom, which means help you discover what to do, how to respond, how to face this thing, and the ability to do it. So God tells us that testings, trials, difficulties, pressures in life are good for us. Tell someone next to you, stop complaining, this is good for you. Stop complaining. Now, what happens when difficulties and pressures and trials come? My observation with what most people do, including most Christians, is this, is they complain. Complaining is a sign of a loser. You are losing. 
Because you can't see what the purpose of the difficulty is and how it's not meant to destroy you, it's meant to help you grow. When you start complaining, you're dying and perishing and losing. You see, if you complain, you're saying this, God, I don't trust you to use this for my good. God, I don't believe you'll help me. I'm just ticked off. Let's say that sort of nicely. I have said it worse than that. So when people face difficulties, they do a number of things. One is they, they kind of, what can I do? Powerless, helpless. Maybe I'll just say a prayer. Maybe that'll help. Believe me, it won't. Not if you've got that kind of attitude, that passivity. Or, or other people say, well, it's just I guess I'm reaping what I deserve. You know, what goes around comes around. I must have done something somewhere and I'm getting, it back, getting, it, getting back on me. Uh, other people, they kind of get angry and resentful. Anyone got angry and resentful during trials? No, you see, there's no one owning up. No, I'll own up. I tell you, I've got really angry. I've shouted out some bad words at times, I tell you. And Lynn confided me she had too. So I know the rest of you do. Don't try and hide it. So all kinds of ways we react with pressure and problems. We can blame people. We can be bitter. We can grow resentful. Or we can try and promote ourselves, try and use people, try and manipulate people. Or we can actually just grow in character in the trouble. And you know, here's the deal. The choice is yours. I know that there's many people facing and feeling all kinds of pressures. The thing is, it doesn't last. But will you last? And will you come out better or bitter? Will you come out like a, a lemon? You know, twisted up. Church, God, people. Or will you come out sweet and gracious and better? That's really the question. And you know what? God does not choose that outcome. You do. You do. It's called development of your character. I think it's great to have wonderful dreams. We need dreams because they are our future. But believe me, if you don't develop character, you'll never, never fulfill that thing God put in your heart. Just really requires something. So let's have a look at a guy called Joseph. Now, he's a dreamer. You'll love this guy, Joseph. You know where we're going. And I want to show you a couple of keys in his life. And I want to show you what he actually walked through. Now, Genesis chapter 37. Here's a great man, the example of Joseph. And this is how God prepares someone to rule a nation. This is how someone, God prepares... This is how God prepares a world changer. I hear, you know, he sings songs of being a world changer, destiny maker. It's lovely stuff. Rah, 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 rah. But when you leave the church, now will you become a world changer? It starts with your world. See? If you can't change your world, you can't change the world. So it starts with yours. So here it is. Here's the young boy. Now, this is the story, verse 2, the history of Joseph. Joseph was 17 years old. So he's 17 when he gets the dream. He's a teenager. This is good. Good news for teenagers. You can get dreams from God about greatness in life when you're a teenager. You've got a great dream from God. And so there it was. And uh, his father loved him. And it says, uh, verse 4, when the brothers saw that his father loved him more than his brothers, they hated him. So he was the sweet little youngest boy, couldn't do anything wrong, and they couldn't speak peacefully to him. Verse 5, now Joseph had a dream, so he told his brothers and they hated him. So it tells us he had dreams. It tells us also again, uh, verse, um, uh, verse 8, they hated him even more for his dreams. And he still dreamed a dream. So Joseph had dreams. Now, they weren't the dream of, I'd like a boat. I'd like to live in a bigger house. Not that kind of dream. This is God-given dreams about 
making your life count for something. Now, you notice that all he got was some of the sketchy details. He got a picture, an image, some kind of sketchy detail that you will be a ruler. And so he, being very young, a teenager, and very immature, announced, I have a call of God. I am going to rule over all of you. You will all bow down to me. That's really smart when you're the youngest in the family, say that kind of stuff. So he lacked character. So the vision was God-given. The vision was authentic. But what was lacking in him was the character, the bigness, to be that kind of man that could fulfill the dream God had. Are you big enough for the dream that God has for you? My observation is a lot of Christians are not big enough. They're small, petty. Little things annoy them, irritate them, offenses shut them down, and they're easily shut off. Even the weather can stop them praying. Destiny makers, I don't think so. It's true. It's true. If you get put off praying by simply because it's cold or because it's winter and you can't praise God in the winter as well as the summer, you haven't got what it takes to be a world changer. I'm sorry, you haven't. You need to shift and change and not be weather dependent. Huh? Come on, we can't be weather dependent and circumstance dependent. It's cold. I don't feel like getting up today. Come on now. Okay then. So, let's go. Oh, you'll all be picking this one up. So he had the dream. And notice he's undeveloped his character. So now he had to face something. So uh, I want to show you he faced three lots of pro problems in three different areas. The first problems he faced were in his home being a dreamer. And this is great when you have people at home. Notice it said they hated him and couldn't speak peaceably to him. That's not very nice. So if you are a dreamer, here's the thing. Here's the thing I found. People who attack someone who've got a dream because they haven't got one themselves. You know, this thing called tall poppy? It's about having a dream and being big. And it's about everyone else trying to pull you down because they haven't got a dream and they're not big. That's what that's about. So you've got to be able to overcome that kind of deal and stand up and be tall in the field and not fill in with the crowd. So, so notice the first thing that happens is Here's the, the first thing that happens is judgment, criticism, and hatred by his own brothers. So here's the thing. When you're gonna, you, you have to face this. This is what he faced. This is the preparation God had. The first thing he faced was they judged him, they criticized him, they couldn't speak peacefully to him or about him. In other words, everything they spoke was seasoned with a negative attitude. Hello? Negative attitude, speaking critically, judging? Oh, it abounds. Losers. People who are envious. People who aren't confident in what God put in their heart. That's what that's about. But you know, if you're a dreamer and if you've got something great in your heart, you have to be able to handle hatred and criticism. Notice this, they hated him. If I said, do you hate your brother? You say, no, no, I come to church. I'm a Christian, not my brother. You know, but what do you say behind their back? And what do you speak about them? Speaking about a person and running them down and judging them and criticizing them behind their back is hatred. I'm sorry, just because you didn't feel hatred didn't mean it wasn't hatred. Definitely wasn't love. So he experienced hatred. And here's the good side of it. Experiencing judgment, criticism, negative reactions from other people to you and your dream is a part of the pain of growing to be big enough. 
Because if you're going to have a big dream, not everyone's going to be happy about you and your big dream. Not everyone's going to be on your side. You'll have a lot of people who will speak against you. And the more successful you are, the more they'll speak against you. So you've got to be able to handle this thing and not get hurt. Crumple underneath when someone speaks critically of you. Next thing they did was they betrayed him. They sold him as a slave into Egypt. Sold their own brother. They totally betrayed him. One of the paths on the journey to being a man of God, woman of God, is you'll experience criticism and judgment and hatred and people will betray you. So when you trusted them, they do the dirty on you. And which is okay if they were unsaved. You could handle that. It's just they're Christian. That's what makes it so hard to handle. But that's part of your growth. That's part of your growth. And so God in heaven is watching. How do you respond when people treat you that way? What comes into your heart and what comes out of your mouth? And how do you respond? Have you got bigness growing in you? Or are you going to stay little? Well, all it takes is someone's criticism to shut you down. What will it take to stop you? from pursuing greatness in your life. Huh? So the next thing that happens to him, so first he had problems in his home because there's always difficulties and challenges in our home life to fulfilling the dream. That's where the first place you experience the problems. So if you're overwhelmed by the issues in your home life, the relationships in your home life, believe me, that's the first place to work on yourself in order to prepare yourself for big things. Anyone who's had teenagers will know there's difficulties. So the next thing that happens is in Egypt. He got sold to Egypt. Egypt is often a picture of the world, a place without Christ, a place of bondage and slavery, a place where people are driven, a place where people are held uh, slavery, to captivity to all kinds of things. And here's the thing that happens there. The, the first thing that happens in Genesis 39 verse 7 is, uh, is the bastard's wife starts eyeing him up. And so she starts dressing scanty clothes and starts persuading him, saying every day, every day, day after day after day, come on, lie with me. Come on, let's have sex. No, my old man will never know. That's what, that's what was happening. Every day, temptation. So here's what will happen to you too on the path of your dream. There'll be temptations to take you off course. There's always going to be temptation. There'll be some other woman, if you're a man, come into your life to take you off course. If you're a woman, there'll be some man that you get a crush on or whatever. There'll be always something somewhere pushing on you to draw you away. And he had the courage to stand up against it. And that's this what happened. Then, when he stood up against it and refused to fall into temptation, next thing is he's accused falsely of, of attempted rape on this woman. And that, so, for false accusation. Then, the master doesn't even give him a hearing. So, no one even hears the side. He doesn't get a fair trial, doesn't get any trial. The master just gets angry and throws him in prison. And now his reputation is totally destroyed. That's pretty hard stuff. But this is the preparation ground of kings. This is how God prepares kings. Now, you may have had not a dramatic thing like that, but sin and temptation is near the door for every one of us to compromise in some little way, give up pressure financially, all kinds of areas. We face pressures and temptations. And many times when you stand up and do what's right, people will falsely accuse you and treat you unjustly, and you'll find yourself uh, with your reputation being knocked. And you know what happens when that happens to us? You know what's in every one of us? You want to vindicate yourself. Stand up and prove I'm right. You're all wrong. Character. If you need to vindicate yourself, you're going to be too small. Too small for the job God's got for you. You have to learn how to let God vindicate you. Just walk in integrity. Walk in integrity. Keep your mouth shut. Stop trying to defend yourself. 
learn to just stand fast and trust God in the midst of those kind of challenges. I've had many of them. You know, the hardest thing to do is to keep your mouth shut when everything in you is screaming to try and defend yourself. Jesus, when they accused him, said not a word. When you're being falsely accused, when you're being blamed unjustly, most people, arise, they arise, they're angry, defensive, and react, and miss the character opportunities. You're too small if your button can be pushed that easily. You can't, you're not big enough for what God has yet. So you've got a little longer before you'll get to that dream. And you'll have more of the same until you can kind of get a handle on, actually, God is using this to develop me because he loves me. I need a different perspective on this thing. It's about character and growing in character. And then the next thing that happens to him, the third thing happens in prison where he helps some guys out. And you read it there in Genesis chapter 40, I think it is. He helps a guy out. Verse 23, help the, the butler and some other guy out. And they didn't remember him. They forgot him. Here's another thing that's always a test of your character. And that is when people are ungrateful. You helped them. You poured yourself. You gave all this stuff. Really, to, and then they turned on you and were ungrateful. And he said, thank you. Well, a lot of people can't handle that. A lot of people can't handle someone not thanking them and appreciating them. That's a character one too. If you need people to thank you, you're missing the point. Here's what's going to happen. They won't. Sometimes they will, and that's wonderful when it happens. Just don't expect it. Be glad to do it for the Lord, knowing that the Lord rewards everything because he sees in secret and he promotes us. See, there's a part of life you've got to learn just to do things because that's who you are. It's got nothing to do with whether people are grateful or how people respond. This is the kind of person I am. That's character. I am a generous person. I am a giving person. I am a loving person. I am this kind of person. I'm a strong person. I can stand up in the midst of pressure. This is who you're becoming. This is about your character. So if God is wanting to prepare a ruler, now let this, the dream that God gave to Joseph was not about him just having some ego trip, just being over his brothers and they're all bound down to him, which if you're the youngest and being picked on is a good dream. It's not about that at all. It's actually about the plan God had to rescue Israel and make provision for them for 400 years. It was always about God's bigger plan and about salvation and about the cause of Christ being advanced. That's always what these dreams are about. Okay, so how then can you handle it? See, he had a delay. Here's the last one that he went through as a test of delay. So I'll give them to you again. You see, you got them all clear. Number one is uh, hatred, criticism, and judgment. People talking behind your back about you. Number two, being betrayed by people that you trusted. Number three, false accusations and injustice uh, treated unfairly. And number four, ingratitude from people you help. And number five, delays. When things that you expect don't happen and you've got this unusual delay and you're frustrated. Right? Now, this is God's preparation to make a man who could change a nation. So, even if you're not called to change a nation, we're all called to change something around us. So, if we're called to change something around us, God will want you to become big enough to do that. And to become big enough to do that. If you can't become big enough, your gift will get you there, but you'll fall over because someone will treat you unjustly, criticize you, won't be thankful to you, betray you, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And you'll get knocked over and disheartened and discouraged and lose the dream because you've gotten too much pain. Pain is part of life. It's how you handle it. And so we choose in the midst of trials and pressures whether we step up, begin to rejoice and praise the Lord, look to Him for wisdom and strength, 
and, and grow in our character or whether we find a way out in the midst of pain, we turn to alcohol, turn to uh, fantasies, turn to sexual relationships, turn to all kinds of things to avoid the pain we're walking through. You that's your choice. And if you got involved in all those things, then go to the freedom thing and the, and the restoration uh, course in the coming months so you can get freed up in your heart to fulfill the dream God gave you. You don't run these courses for nothing. They're run to set you free from the junk that holds you back and keeps you reacting wrongly in the midst of difficult situations. Okay, so how did he get out of it? Let me just share with you quickly how he got out of it. We'll finish up. First of all, number one, what did he do? Here's, here's something to, just before I did it. Here's the interesting thing. If you read the story of Joseph, now get this. This is what I love. No matter what scene he was in, he was never a loser. He's always a winner. In his home... He was the favorite. He was a blessed one in his home. When he got to Egypt, starts off as a slave, he ends up, he's so popular, God is with him. They can see the hand of God on him. Everything he does prospers. The guy gives him charge of everything and totally trusts him, never even holds him accountable. He's got that such good character and favor on his life. He's a winner. When he gets his reputation blown and he ends up in prison, guess what happens down there? The same thing happens down there. Well, blow me down. They see the Lord's with them. He gets favor in the place. He ends up and he runs the prison. Get this. Wherever Joseph was, he rose up and ran it. And he ran it well. And people could see God's hand on him. I find it strange when people fail in life and they think they've got a call to ministry. What's that about? Ministry's got horrendous problems and pressures. No one would take it on unless you were called. And I tell you this, if you're not handling what you've got well, you're not ready for your next promotion. It's really that simple. So I don't know what you're facing, what you're handling, what you're walking through right now, but develop an attitude that rejoices and praises God and trusts God and holds His Word in the midst of it because this is preparing you for enlargement internally so you can be enlarged externally. See, I found in church, people want, they want a position. Why would you want a position? Well, what's that all about? I don't want a position. It's not about positions. It's actually about having the character in you and the heart for the work God wants. Positions come and go. They don't mean a thing. They actually are irrelevant. What counts is what you carry in your heart and in your life, which is a character issue. If you've got the right character and got the life of God flowing in you, you'll pop up to the top everywhere you go. That's the story of Joseph. He popped up to the top. It didn't matter what happened to him. Psst, he's back up to the top. He's like a cork. Hold him under and psst, up he comes again. So what most people do is they say, well, that was Joseph. I'm not like Joseph. And you don't understand my troubles. Now listen, that's not true. Joseph is there for our example. Don't think God did all of this to get him there. It was his choices that got him there. His choices got him to where he got. He didn't get to be ruler over Egypt, a, a mentor and spiritual father to the Pharaoh, and a financial guru that caused a total economic reform. He didn't just arrive there because God did it. What are you thinking? You don't just arrive somewhere because God does stuff. You arrive there because you work with God developing your character and your capacity to be able to manage your life and manage your responsibilities. 
So what did he do? Here's number one. Number one, he held the word of God. He held the dream and never quit on the dream. In Psalm 105, it tells us in verse 17 to 19, even though they hurt him and afflicted him and put him in chains in prison, the word of the Lord tried him, which means literally this, he had a conflict between what God said, the dream, and what he was experiencing, the life. And in the middle of it, what showed up was this. He praised God, had confidence in God, it confessed the word of God, held the dream in the midst of adversity, and in the midst of the prison, he held on to God's promise, you gave me a dream. And we know he was in jail at least two years, probably longer. And it wouldn't be a nice prison. And it was uh, uh, accused of, uh, falsely accused of attempted rape on the wife of the senior military commander, Mate, he would be in the bottom of the prison. That would be a bad place to be. Bad treatment, yet he rose up. Why? Because of choices he made how to handle his pain. It said they hurt him. In Genesis 49, verse 22 to 24, it says, Now Joseph, Joseph is a fruitful tree planted by a well of water. In other words, he's saying, Joseph grew, flourished, prospered everywhere he was. How's that? Because he got a well of water. He's got life from God coming into him. And it says, the archers have shot at him. They hated him, and they sorely wounded him. Now that tells us he felt pain. He experienced terrible pain, terrible hurt, terrible grief, terrible anger. He actually suffered deeply. But it says this, his bow remained strong. Or in other words, his spirit and his heart, that's where your life flows from, remained flowing and alive and right with God. He never let the poison of his circumstance get into him. He kept his character sweet. See, his strength remained in him because God gave him strength. So what most people do in problems is they groan, complain, ring, talk this one, that one. What he did was he turned to God, praised and rejoiced, held the promise of God, and then held on to God. God, you are my strength. Paul wrote, he said in my first uh, mission, he said, everyone left me, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. David, when everything was going against him, everyone's complaining, his leaders want to kill him, he strengthened himself in God. There is a capacity we have. If we will reach into God, he'll put strength in your spirit. You can handle whatever comes to you. You are a winner in life because the Spirit of God is in you. But you've got to have a winning attitude. And a winning attitude doesn't complain, doesn't groan. It doesn't mean you don't get hurt. There are times I've been deeply hurt. I've wept and wept and wanted to be out of what I was in. Deeply wounded. Deeply, deeply grieved. Deeply in pain. Sobbed with the pain. And stood up and found God in it and kept going. See, that's what character is about. That's what God wants to get in you. You've got to choose in the midst of your pain right now, the midst of your struggle and just whatever it is, whatever life is hurled to you, I can tell you this. You've got the potential to be bigger than it. Whatever's come at you, tell you greater is he than you than he that's in that world. I tell you, hold the word of God. Hold it and speak it. No matter what you see down there, see it in the spirit. See and hold your dream. Hold what God said over your life. Speak it out over your life until you shape your world by the words God gave you. He held a dream God gave him and never quit, never quit, never quit, never quit. Did he doubt? Of course he doubted. 
Did he have down days? Of course he had down days. Did he get depressed? Yes. Did he get hurt? Yes. Did he get angry? Yes. Resentful? Yes. Bitter? Yes. All of above. But he held God's word and held onto God. And then this is what also he did. He allowed the Lord to help him resolve the grief and anger and resentment and bitterness. How do we know that? Because when you meet him with his brothers in Genesis 45, verse 4 to 8, this is the amazing thing he says. And we'll just finish with this. I could share more, but we'll just leave it with this. He said when he revealed himself to his brothers, he said, guys, don't be angry and don't be grieved and don't be upset and don't fear that I'm going to pay you back. Now, what kind of heart and spirit is that? You've been put down for 17 years by your brothers, hated by them, put down every day, and then finally betrayed and sold as a slave in Egypt. What kind of grace do you need in your life to treat people who've treated you badly that way? See, this is what makes a king. They've got a big heart. They don't, not petty, don't hold resentments and bitterness. They let it go real quick. You get hurt? Yeah, of course. You let it come to God with your hurt and pain, find strength in God, and then resolve it by forgiveness and bless those who curse you and pray for those who despitefully use you. Jesus told us how to do it. It's not hard. It's just you've got to do it. And that's what makes the difference between big people and little people. It's not your life or your circumstances or how someone treated you or what's going on. It's how you are responding to what life is dishing up to you. Come on, think about this. So the first thing you notice is his grace towards his brothers. The second thing he said, guys, it wasn't you sent me here. God sent me here because he had a destiny of saving the whole of Israel and the family of Israel. So he had a strong grip that all the pain he'd gone through was a preparation for a bigger kingdom purpose of advancing God's purpose and cause and kingdom. How about that? He saw the big picture, not the little one. He said, God, don't blame yourself. Look, God set this whole thing up. He's just allowed all this to happen. He said, listen, God has put me here. Here's the last thing he said. He said, God has promoted me. God has promoted me. Now, you see, you can either let God promote you or you promote yourself. If you promote yourself, you're full of pride. Pride always promotes self. Why? Because it doesn't trust God to do it. I have to promote myself. I have to speak about myself, talk about myself, project myself, make an image, have to do all those things. Why? Because I have no faith that God can get me where he wants to get me. See? Well, you see, he said, God promoted me. God got me here. He said, what got me to where I am now? You know what? He says, I'm ruler next to the Pharaoh over this nation. I have influence over the financial destiny of the nation. God's given me wisdom to be able to handle and manage a financial catastrophe. The Bible says money failed. Yeah, they had a financial collapse in that part of the world, total. And Joseph maneuvered and found wisdom to find a way through it and benefited from the financial recession. He ended up with all of the money. Think about it. Where did he get that from? He had to get some wisdom from somewhere. He'd learned to get wisdom from God on how to handle life and the little stuff. And he said, God has made me a spiritual father to the Pharaoh. How can a 17-year-old boy be a spiritual father to the greatest nation of the earth? Simply, he held the dream. He held on to God. And he let his character to grow through the adversity by forgiving his enemies, blessing them, praying for them, and allowing himself to extend grace when what he could have extended was judgment. You know, when he got next to the Pharaoh, he could have dealt to Potiphar and his wife, 
He could have dealt to his brothers. He could have punished everyone who hurt him on the way. But there wasn't an ounce of anger and resentment and bitterness in him. He was full of grace. And that's just the kind of man you need to lead a nation. Someone with character. Someone with no selfish agenda. So you look at America's financial situation. Everyone's got selfish agendas. They can't reach something good for the nation. It needs a great godly man. So God has a plan for your life. You all know that. Maybe you haven't got it clear what it is. But I can tell you one thing is whatever you're facing now is preparing you to be the person to fulfill that. Stop complaining. Stop moaning and groaning. Stop looking and, and allowing the negative emotions and heaviness and depression to get on you. Learn to rise up and rejoice. Your life is in God's hands. Hold His word. Hold His promises. Hold on to Him and keep your heart sweet. And what you find is God will get you where He needs to get you. He can do it. Joseph went from prison to the palace in one day. Don't you think God can promote you? Don't you think God can get you there? The problem is that you're big enough to be in the palace. And no one can choose that but you. No. Today I know many here are facing challenges. I don't know how you're handling them. I don't always handle mine too good. Sometimes I shut down in the pain and try and distract myself from the pain and watch television or something like that and try to cope with the pain and then eventually I come to my senses and come before God and just pour the heart out and let God give grace to stand up and to move into the next level you could do that, it's just a choice